Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, probably a great golfer, huge ass. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai. And you're listening to Quiet, Please. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hiya, boys. Nice day for golf, eh? Quiet, please. Oh, you got secrets, eh? Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the... Hey, you guys. Hey, we're trying to have a podcast over here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Quiet, Please, the Golf Podcast. I am Alan DePew, and we're joined for the next hour with our panel, we're going to be talking a little bit about Live Golf that had a good showing this weekend, or so we are told. Uh, the wind may be blowing away, certainly the rain washing out Pebble Beach in Wyndham Clark's big day out there. And joining us as always, uh, Mr. Andy Hydorn of Q Mixers. Hola, yes, Andy. Hola. And by the way, might I add, happy birthday, Mr. Hydorn. Oh, thank you for recognizing me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Birthday. A a, a, uh, a shocking appearance by the prettiest <clears throat> podcaster in golf. He lowers our age demographic. Christian Nazamus, how are you? Doing wonderful. Happy to be back. And happy to have you as well. I, saw you, over the, I saw you over the weekend, actually. And yes, we did. are honored. We got a couple of special guests on the panel uh, because we're talking golf instruction this week. And joining us is James Hong. He is the director of instruction at Harbor Links Golf Course in Port Washington. Recognized uh, top 50 golf digest, multiple awards with U.S. Kids Golf. Bottom line is he knows how to get your game in shape. Uh, James, great to have you with us. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And joining us as well also another esteemed uh, instructor featured on golf channel as well as golf digest rankings brian jacobs from right outside of rochester brian how are you i'm doing great thanks for having me as well absolutely welcome to the panel we have a little free flow conversation mr hydorn's been jacked up for this one guys because andy is mr instruction <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I tend to have my opinions on the. All I, all I want to know is, can I get my shoulder term longer? That's all I need to. That's that's all I'm looking for. And and we know the answer to that is no, you cannot. All right, he but, can, he can. Wait, wait. wait. I know Brian. Brian <laughs> certainly could have you uh, <laughs> thinking about some things that'll help you there. But um, hey, look, these two guys are are great instructors. <laughs> they're great coaches, and more importantly, they're awesome people. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working with them uh, in the past. And James, uh, he, he's really one of the most most uh, interesting guys in the in the coaching business in the sense that the way he goes about developing his his young players um, out there at Harbor Links on Long Island, um, it's it's a marvel to watch some of the things. And if you if you want to check them out. On social media, there's some some awesome content that he posts, um, and he's continually going out of the box to develop his young players, and it's it's pretty impressive. Um, and Brian, Brian's equally impressive, and one of those people to me that that brings a whole different perspective to coaching. You know, Brian 
comes from the education field and Brian uh, really adapts the true education principles to his teaching um, and trying to get his students to learn. So um, I don't want to talk about Alan's shoulder turn or lack thereof or any, you know, <laughs> technique things, because I think we all know that coaches love to talk about techniques and shallowing the club and all these other things that, that, you know, get talked about all the time. But I, I really want to get into having a discussion about some of the things that are really kind of interesting and important. And I think both of these gentlemen really have their uh, finger on the pulse of some of these topics. And, you know, I think that the reason that that people take instruction in the first place is because they want to improve and they want to get better. Um, so I just want to throw this out there to you guys both. I mean, what's the difference between somebody who's taking instruction and actually does improve versus guys that are just taking it and cruising along and not changing and getting better at all? Brian, like, you, I was going to say, Brian, good, take, Brian. take the lead. Oh, okay. Um, well, obviously, thanks for the question and thanks for having uh, me and James. It's always great to sit with him on a panel. Um, just uh, one of the great minds and one of the great teachers that we have out there and coaches. And I think we, like for me, I try to differentiate teaching and coaching. So coaching implies that there's a relationship and that there's some kind of transformation that happens and teaching. We see a lot of times teaching is just spouting information. Um, I think the old model of teaching, um, is, is currently, um, going away, but not easy. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's actually rearing its ugly head on occasion, um, but it's doing it in a different way and it's doing it with technology a lot of times. So I'll say for me coming from education to, to golf and coming from teaching public high school to golf, um, I found, you know, that I really craved to be one-on-one -on -one with the student because they got more out of it. And then if you priced it properly, they got more out of it as well. Um, in our area, you could find a lesson for $20 for a half hour, all the way up to me to 300 for an hour. And, and James can probably talk to it where um, people will gravitate towards the 20 and they'll take months and months and years and years and years, and they'll spend and spend and spend, and they don't get anywhere because coach is not invested they can't advance them because they themselves are not trying to learn anything and so when i learned we i learned in golf schools i learned how to hear and watch um and i was had the good fortune to you know do schools for hank haney um and his in his world it was all ball flight and so the technology was not there the video was not there um, and James probably can speak to it as well. So I use technology to confirm. Um, and then um, I'm listening and I'm watching and we're trying to, I'm trying to get people to change patterns. Um, and when you're just leaning on a seven iron saying, hey, turn your hand like this. If it were that easy, they would do it, you know, or someone will come to the lesson to you and say, well, here's all the things I need. If you already know, why isn't it fixed? And it's because it's human performance. And so certain things need to happen in a certain sequence for them to be able to advance. And and James probably will agree as well. Um, we're dealing with 
people now that are very internet driven. I love the internet. I think it's great because it drives people into my business because they're in pain. They're hurting so bad because they're so bad, you know, and if they misdiagnose themselves, which they always do, um, it's really low hanging fruit for me as a teacher and a coach to develop the relationship, transform them. And it's called normative re-education. You basically unlearn the bad, relearn the good. And those patterns take a long time, 18 to 254 days to change a pattern. And then 66 days when it happens. So you have to have people that are highly committed to go 66 days where they're going to do something. So that's a long answer, but um, teaching has changed quite a bit. Um, and technology is awesome if it's used properly. And leaning on a seven iron can be awesome too, okay. <laughs> depending on who's leaning on it, right? If it's Jim McLean or something leaning on a seven iron or David Ledbetter leaning on a seven iron, it's a little bit different than, you know, Joe Schmo um, who wants to make 20 bucks so that he can drink beer. It's It's different. All right, James, what do you what do you think about that? What does it take for a golfer to actually improve versus just wasting their time and money by getting instruction? Yeah, I, th I think um, going along with what Brian said, they have to realize that it's a process and you're focusing on what it is you're trying to fix, what it is you're trying to work on. And in this day and age, especially through social media, everyone's always looking for immediate gratification. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the downfalls or one of the pitfalls of, of social media and it's both uh, just the regular golfer and it is us instructors is that when wherever we're using social media to post things, we're always doing before and after. And we're making it sound like, look at what happened in 30 minutes. They're better. And it, it's what you have to realize is that you're seeing basically the person after they've received instruction. It, it doesn't mean they got better. It doesn't mean they even understand what they're doing or learning anything. It's just kind of the pathway or, an, or the toe in the door of the direction they should be going. And as Brian said, once you got your foot in the door, you have to open the door and, and continue on that path, which could take days, weeks, months, whatever it is. But again, the, the instant gratification, oh, they're fixed in 30 minutes. They're fixed in an hour. No, they're not. Because if they were fixed, why are they coming back for another 15 lessons? Or why are they coming back frustrated and actually saying, you know what, lessons don't help me? So it, it, there is no instant gratification. <clears throat> the, the other thing that, that people have to realize sometimes is when you're focused, we get so results oriented that we do lose track of, of the process. And uh, one of the things I do is, is I, I, I pull off videos of uh, high level players like tour players or, or high level amateurs and how they talk about things like when they're working on something they may not even be, be they may not even be paying attention to the ball they're just trying to make sure they get this right when it starts to feel more comfortable with what they're doing then they might start to pay their pay a little bit more attention to what the ball's doing uh, if you're you may shank a ball 10 times in a row but may actually be showing progress in what it is you're doing you have to to realize that's part of the learning curve that's part part of the process but a lot of times people don't want to do that you know and I'll add even in with my students, we always talk in threes. Drastic one way, drastic the other, balance. <clears throat> so when someone tries to go from a hook to perfect draw, it doesn't work. 
if you hit it crappy left, you have to hit it equally as crappy to the right because there's intention. Yes. And then you can find the balance. And what happens with people is, is that instant gratification. They say, why isn't it perfect right now? And I'm like, because you're human. If you were a robot, that would be awesome. We would just stand here. We would, I would put quarters in you and you would hit great shots, you know, but you have a brain and well, yesterday I played great. Yeah, but it's today that right, you're not. Right. So it doesn't matter. It's human performance. Well, how's your brain today? What did you eat? What did you drink? How did you sleep? Did your wife yell at you? Did you nag your wife? You know, did all these different things. And so you start to see the anxiety start to raise and you're like, are you excited or are you anxious? There's a difference. You know, how are you talking to yourself? I mean, we spend quite a bit of time on self-talk, right? If, if we talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, you would not have a friend. I yeah. mean, we're nasty to ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. You know, like Alan, you might say, well, I can't turn my shoulder, right? My question is, what's no, the pathology? No, that's actually a given. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I would say, what's the pathology, right? Like, what happened? Like, why can't you? But it's not your shoulder. It's your pelvis, maybe. It could be, right. you know, there's, it's a chain. And so I try to talk in chains too with students and just say, look, <laughs> the foot bones connected to the, you know, shin bone and all the right. way up to your body. Right. But it's the same thing with your golf swing. If your hands are out of sequence with your body, then you're going to be bad. So, so it sounds, it's, go ahead, Alan. I, uh, yeah. Let me, let me interject since we're talking yeah. about my, my, my lack of pelvis. Yes. Um, so <laughs> by the way, I failed in my intro to mention both of you guys are, are highly recognized PGA golf professionals. And it's a great fraternity. I was a PGA golf professional at one time earlier in my career. I gave it up because to me, I saw my career go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Hindsight should have stayed. Okay. Well, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And I, you can always come back. I could if okay. I can if I can turn my shoulders. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm a numbers guy. And that's really where my career. Brian, you threw out a number. You said, you know, the, the length of time that students need to commit. We all heard back in the day. Those mm -hmm. of us that are older than Christian, we all heard the, uh, you know, 21 days to break down an old habit and have a new habit. Maybe. Where Where's that science come from? Two, two part question for both of you. Where's that science come from as far as that period, that process? And the second part was you mentioned about the, uh, you know, the hip bone and what I always used to use the acronym FIFO, you know, first in, first in or LIFO, last in, first out, you know. Mm -hmm been describing to my students because i was that guy that leaned on the seven iron and i did such a detriment to my to some of my, oh, yeah. or my you students. got out at the right time before they I killed did. i did you know <laughs> the thing is is that uh, and james i don't mean to dominate the conversation but um the thing is is that people don't know and what you and what you don't know you don't know and so james if they went to James, they would get the red carpet treatment. And if they went to two doors down, they would get treated like crap. And it just depends on who they go to first. Right. You know, and it's, I've had people say, well, I really want to work with you, but you cost too much. And I said, you do too. You put a screw into a camera and you get paid $50 an hour. I think that's too much too. You know, it just depends on what, what you value, right? And then as far as the hours, people confuse work with quality. 
And maybe James can speak to that with juniors. Like, oh, coach, I hit 300 balls. Awesome. But how many were micro-focused, doing what you're supposed to do? What was the ground like? What was the curve? What was the strike? All these different things. The metric that you didn't ever take a chance to step back and evaluate or assess anything. You just fired 300 balls into the range and you don't know why you're not good. Right. Or, and it's just, it's fighting all these different things that we look at as teachers and say, if we just had the time to do this ourselves, we would take so much time. You know, we would just be thoughtful about our practice and um, we would have, what does it feel like in our hand? We would look at the numbers and we would enjoy it. Right, James? We would just be like, this is yeah, like a day at the park, right? It's, I, I think what you said is true. It's a lot of times especially with juniors, they'll come up like, oh, I practiced four times this week. That's wonderful. How And they, oh, I was like, I practice an hour a day. I hit this many balls. And I, and I always ask, I mean, I had this conversation four times yesterday alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the day before alone. And it's just, did you, did you practice or did you hit balls? Like, what were you working on? My swing. No kidding. What, <laughs> what were you what working thing? on? Uh, I was working on hitting the ball better. No kidding. What were you working on? Right. Uh, trying to hit it straighter. No kidding. What were you? And it's just this constant. It's like, what are you working on? Uh, you know, it's like you know, it, it was, that. That's hitting balls. That's getting exercise. It's like I want to hear. Well, you know that thing we were working on in our backs, my backswing, trying to get it to feel a little bit more this way. I was trying to get it more that way. Blah, 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 everything that. Oh, good. So you're working on that. That's that's telling me that you were working on something. And you know, I think. Again, the difference between quantity versus quality, mm-hmm. people don't recognize that. And Brian was talking about, well, you know, he charges $300 an hour. And it's what people fail to realize sometimes it's, it's the hour part. It's you're, mm-hmm. you're getting paid, you're getting paid for $300. It didn't start at <laughs> 1, 1 p.m. and finish at 159 and 59 seconds. No, it's you're, you may be paying for that hour where you're face to face. But what about the other times where Brian is sitting at his desk at 10 p.m. at night or whatever it is and working on a practice plan for you? Right. And doing all of these things. And that's that's what I tell parents as well with juniors. It's, you know, it's not the half hour or the one hour. It's the all encompassing me putting together a practice plan for your child and me sending you videos to help you as a parent cope with some of the situations you're dealing with. And and sometimes I'll I'll send it to them at two a.m. and that's when they get it because they see the timestamp of when they receive that email or that message. Like, wow, you're not kidding! You really are doing it after hours, right? Or I'll even share that I had a student that he would just fire texts off to me, and I would answer. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I should be with my wife, hugging and kissing her, not talking to this guy that early extends that won't go to the gym and do what I'm prescribing for him to do. So I'm going to start charging him. So for every text I answered, I put 0.25, 0.75. By the third one, he's like, I don't know what these numbers mean. Is that how many you know centimeters I'm supposed to turn? And I go, no, that's 0.25 of $300, 0.50 of 300, 0.75. I go, from now on, when you text me, I will be charging you and he's like, okay, so you don't work for free. Uh, no. There's an old bumper sticker when I was growing up that said, gas, ass, or grass, <clears throat> no one rides for free. And so that was what I wrote to him. 
And so I said, if you want to use the platform where I don't get notifications, then we can deal with it that way. But it's the thing is, is like even the value or the experience that we have, like top teachers like James, they don't just walk in and say, ha, I got a hundred, you know, like your, your assistants might run in and don't rat them out, but they might run into the shop and go, can you believe I just made $150 on that guy? And you're, and you're looking at them going criminal, you know, and they're yeah, going, so, yeah. So, Chris, so, so Chris, you, you guys Chris, kind of evolved into this second part, which well, was. Well, I got, know, I have, can I throw something to Christian? So sure. Christian being the most recently removed <laughs> junior golf. <laughs> <laughs> Is no, James, it's actually is, Andy. Is, 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 that's true. <laughs> is James spot on with that? Did you just go down and beat balls? And yeah, I mean, James is definitely spot on with that. I I remember growing up, that's all I wanted to do was just go go to a local range and just hit balls, and I wasn't getting any better. You know, I actually suggested it to my parents at probably when I really wanted to learn that golf was going to be like my career that I wanted to like to play it forever and take it very seriously. You know, I went to them and I said, look. You, I can go to some local course, pay a guy 80 bucks, whatever it is. But in order for me to get to from here to here, I have to pay the money and invest. And like, I, I'll, I didn't have the money obviously at the time, given that I was still in high school, but like I would pay my parents back over the course of the years because the money that they invested was actually worth it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's awesome hearing what Brian and James are mm -hmm. saying, because it's, it's all true. You know, I, Obviously, there's everybody's not like myself, but like there are kids out there, like on my team, for example, at Niagara, they didn't want to pay the money because they just didn't have the heart in it. I think you have to have the heart and and wanting to do that, um, and also investing all of your time and money into that one person. But if you if you do it, you should never look back. My coach, for example, when I did it, he was a PGA guy here out of Syracuse. His name is Scott Russell. And, you know, he's like a big brother to me now. I still talk to him like he's like my father, right? Um, and he lives out in Scottsdale, Arizona. I still today send him pictures or videos of my swing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, what am I doing wrong? And if he ever charges me, which thankfully he doesn't anymore, but if he ever did, I wouldn't even hesitate by paying him, you know? And still every single year, you know, we keep in touch. I may not talk to him for five months, but again, the money that I invested with him back when I was 14, 15 years old and now being 27, you know, I've not only just got a golf coach and my game now to where I want it to be, but I've also gotten somebody who, again, is family at the end of the day. Well, that's so. the root, right? That's the transformation. And so we have transactional and we have transformational. And so great coaches like James and other great coaches, that's what they do. They develop that tight relationship. I mean, I, I've taught high school for 30 years while I built my business, you know, and I'm 23 years in golf or 24 now. And I got kids that I taught in high school that are 43, 44 years old, and they still call me Mr. Jacobs. And, you know, and you're like, that's respectful, right? Like you made an impact on that person. And so that's the same thing you want to do in golf. It's, it's not the money. I only charge the money and James charges the money because we have to. Because we have kids, right. we have to eat, you know, otherwise we wouldn't, we would just do it for free because we love it. And that's when you have a real coach, somebody that would be like, I don't care if they pay me or not. I'm just happy to help them. That's a servant, right? Or a giver. And we have a lot of takers in our business now that are, they're all worried about the money. And I get it. Like I have to pay taxes and all the other things, but it all works out. 
you know, and so, um, yeah, that's my you got to have the heart though. I yeah, think you have to have a heart athlete. too from the, from the player. Yeah. The athlete itself. Yeah. Cause I think even growing up too, like on my, co- and I'll uh, point out my college team again, a lot of us were like, Oh, we can go pro. Right. We can, we're going to go there. We're going to try it. Right. And like, they just didn't realize how difficult it was. I have friends of mine here in Syracuse that ha- like only one of them. And he was probably honestly the best stick that you'll ever see in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And he just got on the PGA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think his best finish was like tied for 14th or maybe it was a top 10, but it's so difficult, but it all goes back to that coach and your team because you can't do it alone. You have to have somebody there that's willing to put the time and the effort in to get you to that next step. Well, I yeah, think it's it, weird it's, too, and maybe James can talk about it too. And it's a question for him. Like, I'm not a fan of this um, kumbaya family of teachers and seeing having different eyes and all these other things and getting different messages that's happening right now in the business. Like if you're my guy or girl, you're my guy or girl. If you leave, you're gone. (laughs) We're, you know, we can still be friends and everything else, but I can't coach you if they're coaching you because the messages are coming different. And I wonder James, if you ever have come across that because that's happened a couple of times in my career and, you know, it's like Niedermeyer dead, not yeah. back. You know, it it happens a lot with 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 some of the juniors mm-hmm. because you know from the parents' point of view they think of it as like school. Oh, the more tutors you have, the right. better you're going to be. The better information you're getting, and they don't realize it's the other way around. It's mm-hmm. you're just confusing the child. Right. And so you know, I I've already gone through that a few times, a handful of times within the last couple of years where. They're coming to me on a Saturday. They're going to another person on a Tuesday. And it's like, and and what ends up happening is, is when they come back on Saturday, you're, you're not giving lessons anymore. You're trying to fix what right. the problem is. You're fixing okay. things. It's a constant fixer, fixer, fixer. And it gets to a point where I tell the parents, it's like, I, I, it's no good. And the reason why this is happening is because of what you're doing. You're sending them to two people with two different philosophies, two ideas, and it's like, listen, if all of them went to another teacher, I'm okay with that. I don't, that's fine. You're right. You got to do what's best for your child. If they like the other person better or whatever the reason is, fine. That's mm-hmm. good. I'm, you know, I'm not putting, I don't have a black book like with a, there, there's your name or something like that. I think I but, do. <laughs> I don't. I've got a great story to that, but I know this ties into what Andy, the second point he wanted to mention, which was, go ahead. Yeah, Andy, I, it, it just sounds to me like, like, you know, patience and expectations seem to be something that's frustrating to you guys as coaches. Um, you know, when, when you both talked about, you know, trying to get somebody to make a movement pattern change, you know, you can't expect them to to be hitting great shots out of the gate. You know, it's step by step by step. But what are some of the other things that frustrate you um, with the engagement of the student that that kind of gets in the way of, of them actually improving? Um, I think uh, a couple of things. One would be constantly seeing YouTube videos. And it's like I, I've seen YouTube videos and I thought, hey, this is really good for this person and I'll send them that video. That's a different thing because I'm supposed to be a resource as well as a coach for the, for the, for the student. But when they're going out on their own and stuff and they're doing things, it's, 
it's just like we were just talking about a minute ago about having different voices or different instructors. Well, now, you know, that, that instructor is just YouTube. It's just somebody who is, you're seeing a video and, and quite frankly, the video itself might actually be really good. It might be really good information. It just doesn't fit with what it is you're working on or what's your issue. And, and so now the confusion uh, arises again. So now you're having to be a fixer instead of a teacher or a coach. I know that's one thing. Uh, the one thing that really kind of bothers me sometimes is the person who's complaining about how expensive you are. And then the next time they see you, did you practice? No, I didn't practice this week. Right. <laughs> but you're going to complain about paying me my, ex right. my expensive rate. Right. Well, really, who's wasting the money? It's not me. It's you. Right. <laughs> you know, those are a couple of things that come to mind right away. I've had that a few times in the career. And then I got smart and I started to, you know, I was doing online booking and I just booked everything out. Same day, same time. And said so it's time dated, you know, and if you miss, you better be dead. You know, and if you don't finish it in 90 days, then tough darts kind of a thing. And so sometimes you have to be hard on them and you have to make them accountable for their own well-being. Um, and, and most people I would say, and James would agree, I'm sure, is that they come with great intentions. They really want to be good. They really want to yep. be better. They're really in pain, right? And our job is really to be a problem solver in a nice way. And sometimes you got to get up their fanny a little bit. And sometimes you got to tell them what's real and other times you can, you know, be, it's not that you're not kind, you're trying to advance them. And so you might have to sit down and say, look, you're preventing yourself from advancing. You know, we are trying to advance you and help you grow and help you challenge yourself. And you're just not ready for the challenge. I call them the woulda, coulda, shouldas, basically. Um, you know, I got a, a a guy that I had a long, long time ago. He always said to me, I need to lose 50 pounds. We'll do it. You know, like three years later, if I could just lose 50 pounds, it's three <laughs> years later, dude. Like you could have done it three years ago. Like just do it, you know, and it's not, it's the change and the transition. I It's you look at the changes like they want to change, but they don't like the transition period because it's painful. <clears throat> but at the end of the rainbow, it's way more painful not to change than it is to change in the short term. And and so, look, you're going to suck forever if you don't change. Right. If you're OK with you hitting it like this, then don't come. You know, it's, I, I will be really honest with them. And, and I'm in a kind in a kind way and say, like, eh, you know, maybe maybe pickleballs for you. You know, let's. I, I, you know, it makes it reminds me of uh, you know the Michael Jordan comment, and I've heard Kobe say something, and a bunch of athletes say the same thing or something similar, which is everybody wants to be number one until they find out what it takes to be number one, right. or everyone wants to be better until they find out what it takes to be better. It's right. well, now that you found out, let, let's get to it. Otherwise, don't complain that you didn't get better. Because it's not, it's not rocket. It's it's not like not known on how to be better, how to be great. The blueprints are there. Look at all the books we have. I can remember my dad saying that he, you know, my little brother once told him he was a crappy father, right? And the first one's like, do you like your teeth? And he said, yeah. He said, well, then you'd be quiet. And he said, it's not like there's any books out there. And of <laughs> course, I'm a wise 
acre. And I say, well, dad, there's literally like thousands of books on how to raise kids. And he's like, mm, not the way I raise them, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. But I'm telling you, there's lots of books, you know? And if you like, we could do this different. And it's the same thing with self-help or pattern change or anything else. If people want the help and seek the help and pay for the help, do the help. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's not that hard. It's That's the formula. Andy, I feel like this is an intervention for my golf game. <laughs> well, I think I think the interesting the interesting thing here is like you can have the greatest coach in the world who has all the right methods, all the right processes, all the right intentions, but you have to have the right student too. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, you know, it it just it, it's not a it's not a one-way street and in, in it's a relationship. Students needs to have yeah and the student needs to have every bit as much of the understanding of what it's going to take um so alan you you need to dig in your heels here and uh this is where this is when i give you the quiet please oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a serious yet whimsical question because you both both have talked about the internet it's massive obviously we all know the impact it's had on uh, everything but um especially the instructions. Golf instruction videos are everywhere. Uh, I go back, obviously, a little bit, little older. I, I laugh about one. I had a student come to me with Golf Digest. They were talking about leg drive. And the next thing I know, the guy gets to the top of his swing and both of his knees go towards the ball. Right. And I, and, and I was like, what was that? <laughs> oh, leg, leg drive? drive. I, just read, about, I just read about it. Yeah. What like is, is the what is frontal the, or is it sagittal? With like which what, way are we going here? What is right? the most without naming names? Obviously, what's the most unique uh, thing somebody's come that said? Well, I was watching this on the internet and want to talk wow. to you about. Wow, <laughs> uh, I was the no backswing swing. It was probably the oddest thing. It was I think maybe. This might have been before James was born even, but this was like maybe 20 years ago or 15 years ago, you know, <laughs> but it was the no backswing swing. They said, if you don't pick a backswing, and I can remember it being on, I think it was the cover of Golf Digest or Golf Magazine at the time. And I'm like, oh God, there's going to be a poop storm on this one. And like literally everybody got it at the club, right? It's sitting in the men's locker room and they're like, well, what do you think about this? And I said, well, I haven't done any research. And I said, you know, there's like one plane versus, you know, two plane and four plane. And like Hank Haney said, there's many planes and it's, you know, like you don't like it. You're trying to figure it out, like where you're going to stick your pick in the ground. And I'm saying like, well, just from human performance, I would say that like not having a backswing swing probably isn't real good if you want to be somewhat of a large hitter, you know, or someone that actually is consistent. I said, you could probably top it a lot. I said, but if you want to try it, we'll try it. And we took a bunch of members out to the range and like, nobody could hit it. Like it's, it's not rhythmic. Right. And that literally lasted about, I don't even know, maybe three weeks. And it was, you know, like this is revolutionary. And I'm like, this is some guy that's probably on drugs, you know, you know, putting this article out. And I was just like, this is crazy. This is not going to revolutionize golf. That's mm -hmm. my weirdest one for sure. James, how about you? I think it was I, uh, the one about 
the tea coming out of the ground, how you can tell if you made a good swing or not, like versus the tea breaking or whatever it is. And, and, hey, and you I looked, made an iconic video about that. Yeah. And I saw that and I was just kind of like, uh, this, this can't be real. Yeah. It's like, Did oh, I do I, that video? I, yeah, I broke, I broke the tea. I broke the tea. Is that, what did I, what am I doing wrong? You're doing, uh, um, you Nothing. bought cheap teas. I, <laughs> right. Get plastic ones. Right. Get a metal. So, I mean, it's, like, well, it's, it's amazing what people come with though. Like you, you're just like, Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and to, and, and to, to defend myself, the video that I did for iconic <laughs> was, was about the tea. All right. The tea not sticking in the ground and, <laughs> Right. It's um it's very interesting. Like I did golf channel, you know, for six years and and we were serious instructors. And I was like, Yeah, but it's very general, right? You're giving a tip and then you get yep. so like we were we'd do TV, we do one live for morning drive, and then we do put one in the can, right? And then you'd be going home on your flight and someone would see you in the morning and then they would ask questions maybe in the airport, which was awesome. Um, and then you're giving golf lessons. You're giving a group golf lesson at your gate, right? Or the uh, golf channel always wanted you to kind of respond to um, the people that were, you know, on Facebook or whatever. And 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 then people want to argue. And I'm like, disengaging, not doing it. I said, look, I'm. I'll say it in one easy sentence. These are general golf tips. They do not apply to everybody. You know, please do not, you know, base your whole life on this golf tip. All we're trying to do is get people to watch TV. That's what they're doing. Hey, that was the greatest segue, for, right? Wasn't it, Andy? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> he doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know it. But, Andy, there was lots of golf on TV. And I, this is your favorite time every week. It's the <laughs> live report. Oh boy. And I, know, and I know Christian's geared up for this one. <laughs> so so just we talked about this a little bit last week. The strategic sports group, which is ironically made up of of a bunch of sports executives. So the owner of the <coughs> the owner of the Boston Celtics, the Red Sox ownership group, um lots of different sports people that Kraft isn't in, in on that. What's that? Kraft is it in on that? We might as well Kraft get up to the in Boston on owners. No, no. Um, but but they're they're coming together to invest this money in the the new um, for profit entity, as we all talked about last week. Um, and I saw really interesting stuff this morning uh, with Matt Adams. You know, and he had Casey Alexander on. Who Casey Alexander has been like the one Wall Street financial guy that's analyzed the golf industry for a long, long time. And he had some really interesting comments this morning about uh, this whole deal with SSG. And um, there's a lot of people discussing whether they believe that this means that it's opening the door for the Saudi Public Investment Fund to come in or it's closing them out. And I think the point this morning was that it's absolutely opening up that window for the Saudi uh, PIF to come in and kind of close the door on this this partnership and develop this for-profit entity. And 
It was interesting you talked about, because we, me especially, <clears throat> loves to talk about how the Saudi money is untethered money. Um, and he looked at it a little differently. He said that that they, because of their, their unlimited or, or very large pool of resources, um, have the opportunity to really invest money up front and not be in a rush to get their investment back. So they're really forward looking and... You know, they were talking about how how the uh, professional golfers are really one of the only professional athletes that don't really get paid per contract. They get paid per per performance. Mm -hmm. um, and he thought that that this whole thing is going to move all that closer to the middle. And uh, he thinks that that there's going to be a deal. It's going to involve the PIF. Um, and it's going to really change the landscape of, of uh, professional golf. So he, he's saying that it would be like a football player. They would get a five-year contract and X number of dollars guaranteed money. And there, there'd be a larger part of the guaranteed contract pay than there is now is what he was saying. Yeah. I mean, I always wondered that like, cause I came from the football baseball realm and then football, and then when he came to golf, it was just like, and they're like, yeah, but it's a pure sport. And I'm like, yeah, but it still costs to live in a hotel and yep. eat and drive and get a caddy. And, you know, and like, yeah, you're really hanging it out there. I said, well, you might be, but you might be hanging your investor out too. Yeah. I had a kid that played professionally. And I mean, he had big backing with a lot of interest and it's brutally hard to play when you have that burden on you you know, of having to pay people back at 12% or 20% sometimes, you know, on a $200,000 and, you know, investment in you that evaporates literally in, you know, <laughs> 22 events. It's, it's pretty rough, you know, if you're not cashing a check. And so it's, to me, I, I, I look at it like it would be better my own opinion that if they did get contracts like that and said, look, you're committed to five years, X number of events, got to play in them, have to play in them. And then you have to qualify for the majors. And if you don't, then that's okay. You still get your guaranteed money. Um, because you're, you're talking about maybe a NFL receiver that might catch a hundred balls a year and they're making 14 or 15 million for the year and you got an offensive lineman who's getting paid 3 million and he's protecting 250 million standing behind him. The linemen love me by the way that right. I teach because okay. I have that mentality. Like shouldn't the lineman get paid more than the quarterback, but he's only catching those balls in his contract year. That's that's the, <laughs> especially in Philadelphia. Right. Right. And it's, <laughs> it's all this interesting stuff going on and you're, you're looking at it and I teach a lot of NFLers and I always talk to them about it and they're, they love franchises, but they'll go, they'll go to free agency to, they'll go anywhere to make money. Yeah. They can say, well, I can always circle back later, you know, to a winner or, you know, they want the money. Right. So um, Alan live, live had right. it pretty good this weekend um, by having the Pebble beach rain out the last round and, Live were the ratings up? The, the ratings, the ratings were up. And Christian, mm -hmm. you're all, you're you're the man with the statistics on Joaquin's make talking about making money. What you what you got for us, Christian? You said you had all kinds of info on this. 
Did I? Because I didn't watch a single second of Live <laughs> this entire weekend. Um, I saw it all over social media, though. Honestly, when Rom won, um, Legion, but no, yeah, I mean, Legion thirteen with the victory. Yep. Yep. No, actually, to be honest with Rom, you, I, I really Rom didn't, didn't, I, win. I didn't watch. Rom's team. Then, Team, team one. Yeah, Rom's very excited about this, Andy, that he was still in the game when he was making bogey on 17 and 18. He was very jacked up over. That is the reason he went to live. Don't you remember this? He yes. said he had fun. That and the music. Yes. Yeah. And the shorts. Yeah. Right. He dropped he got- a serious F bomb, though, James, on, <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> All right. It's good for Callaway. I mean, it's very, it's, it's interesting, right? Depending on what part of the wave you get on, too. Like Phil was like, like, oh my god, forget it. He's like an outlaw, right? And then Rom, same company, comes in at a different time, handles it differently because he observed how other guys did it. And it's like, oh, that's all oh awesome. Generational wealth. Good for you. You know, it's just it's a different mentality, probably based on personalities and also like if you're watching how these guys are doing it now they know what to say you know like they well, do and they don't they all say the same stuff still yeah well they're programmed for it somewhat irritating yeah like have an authentic answer right yeah like i'm greedy you, right <laughs> or or whatever <laughs> if you look right. at a lot of the guys on live that were bigger names when they were on tour and they're still big names i'm not taking any discredit from from them but all of them have literally fallen so far in the world golf rankings. DJ, Bryson, Bubba. Like, these were guys that were well, – when they were on tour, I'm going to go with Kevin Knock. Kevin Knock is 34th ranked in the world, and now I think he's outside the 700 at the yeah. moment. Um, you know, clearly they all went there for the money, which, again, we've we've all – like, the three of us have come on here publicly and said that, like, we don't blame them for taking the money. Obviously, if we were in their shoes, I'd probably have done the same thing. But, right. you know, it's – you know, I just I, I was shocked when Rom went, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I truly think that there's other big names that are going to be going. I'm not saying Rory or Tiger or any of those guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if eventually down the road, like a Victor Hovland goes or. Well, they're going to have to, right? If something doesn't happen where the. Yeah, I mean, better. at this rate, just make it a tournament, make it live versus PG like the PGA at this point. I mean, that would be the views on that. They get more views on that tournament than Liv does probably all season. Well, they certainly had enough likes on social media for somebody that put out a meme about, you know, a starting lineup for a Ryder Cup format. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. That would be entertainment at its finest. That would actually be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I hate to say it, but that could that could be a coin flip at the end of the day, whoever wins that. If, you, <laughs> if, if that ever happens, I'm not saying it would, but it would be a lot of fun to watch that. James, what would you mean? Let James, let James chime in. James, yeah. James, what's your what's your thoughts on? Do you want to chime in on Live? I I got to be honest with you. I have not watched one minute of Live tour, yeah. and it's it's not like it's not a statement or anything like that. It's it's I just haven't watched it. It um, when I saw it a little bit earlier when it was young, you know, young in its prime, whatever you want. It's <laughs> I just didn't find it interesting. I thought it was a glorified outing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just didn't catch my attention. There were a couple of shots that I saw that were like, I mean, even even in the moment where there was something competitive going on, it was still kind of the sense of, um, yeah, that would have been really cool if it was a real tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And I don't, and again, you see the way I'm saying it, it's, it's like a shot to against live. And I didn't, I don't mean it that way. It's just, that was my immediate reaction to that shot. Like, oh, you know, it, it was almost like watching a practice round versus a, a real tournament. Yeah, I've described him as the modern day Walter Hagens. They're yeah. rolling up for their charity spectacle type event. There was another, I, Ron was caught on a hot mic after hitting a bad shot, but I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Hatton. Who we, as we know, has no. is prone to drop an f bomb or once, yeah. once or twice. Potty but his mouth. was on a hot, his was on a hot mic, I think. And if I if I'm attributing it to Terrell incorrectly, I apologize. I somebody this past weekend said there's nobody effing here. There's <clears> no, <throat> there's nobody watching these things. Right. Like, well, I, I think it's the optics too, right? Like we all grew up, except Christian, unchristian did too. With watching, you know, shells, why, you know, shells world of golf and, you know, these classic matches and the mat and, you know, the majors and everything else. And now you got like uh, <laughs> girls gone wild, you know, with their boobs out and playing golf and drinking and wearing shorts. And so I know like it's very divided, right? It's like right down the middle, love it or hate it. Nobody's like, you know, Saying like yeah, well, he's not yeah, well, but they're like hate it, love it, and it's, yep, that that's for it's sure. Pretty cool in a way. That's for sure, right. Christian. You know, you brought up something that I've been kind of thinking about a lot lately, and <laughs> you know, it's it's a uh, Kevin Nas and the Abe Answers, and um, some of those some of those players that went to live, and you know, golfers, professional golfers, go through you know, peaks and valleys, ups and downs. I just think that if you're a live golfer, you don't really have that much of an opportunity to work your way through a bad period because you're not playing often enough. Um, and it, it just seems like like it's harder to dig yourself out. And, and uh, I'm sure that none of those guys, when they went to live, kind of signed up for that. They signed up for working less. And making more money we know that but when it comes to golf you know sometimes you got to work your way through you know months of of tournaments where you're not playing great so you can get back to the level that you're at and i don't think a lot of those guys because they're on live have the opportunity to work themselves you know back into a good form so so andy we gotta we, we gotta jump out to the west coast just to chime in because Wyndham needs to do but and and on that note the savages that that are on uh, live side on social media were ripping the fact that it was a 54 hole event uh, well. and questioning whether or not Wyndham Clark should get world ranking points. Yeah, that's people who don't understand the way the thing works. But right, how about that 60 he put up? Crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy. And that's that's with those putts that were hanging on the edge that didn't go in. Right, the last three he holes. was fifty-eight. Yeah, he was coming in. Yeah, dude, he's he's sitting at ten under through eleven. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Like, and he, and he made a bogey. Um, yeah, he bogeyed twelve, I guess. Yeah. And how bad do you feel the next day when you shoot seventy? Yeah. <laughs> And you're still leading the you're leading the tournament because you're two under, or, you know, a couple under, and you're like, oh, I shot seventy, but yeah, yesterday I shot sixty. I feel like you shot ninety, probably or eighty five. Yeah. Like exactly. just the psychological part of it, it's like 
you could have the question like, would you would you take even par every day if you could shoot 160, or would you rather have the up and down? And like for me, I'd rather have the ups and downs. Do, do yeah. you? I mean, I, Andy, Christian, both great players. I had a chance to play with them. You've been you've taught great players. Do you think we've hit that Roger Bannister moment in golf where people have now 60 isn't a number? It, it, it was so it was hard to mentally break through that number. And now everybody's just, let's go lower. How much lower can we go? Yeah. Well, you got to look at the athletes too, right? They're bigger and right. stronger and they hit it. Yeah. Farther. And so the, you know, everybody's saying like, got to roll this back. I mean, it's good Lord. It's another whole topic, right? It would make the golf courses harder, make them longer. Well, you can't make them long enough. You can make them 10,000 yards. They're still going to figure it out. You know? So do you change the equipment? It doesn't matter. They're going to figure it out. It's just that's how human behavior is now. Everybody's so strong and big and fast. And I mean, you got guys like me. I'm 62. I can hit a 300. You know, I can remember playing Locust Hill when I first started playing. Number 10 was a 430 yard hole. I would hit driver five wood, you know, or driver seven wood when I first started. You know, and it's like, what? And now it's like pitching wedge, driver pitching wedge, you know, or driver nine iron. And it's, it's, I've evolved as an athlete and, but the equipment has evolved. The ball has evolved, you know? So I think it's an exciting time. Like James, it's an exciting time for you because you're watching your kids and like, like your little guy, Arlen, right? What is he like seven or eight? Oh, now, now, now he's like 10 turning 11. Yeah. And he's growing like a weed, right? You're like, yeah. And you're like, holy crap. Like five years was like. And he's going to play high school golf probably soon. And yeah, you're going to be going, man, I had such a special part in that kid's development. And man, he killed everybody when he was little and now he stinks. You yeah. Know? And he doesn't, but <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I mean? It's like, how does that kid stay so motivated? And he's just got it, right? He's got the it factor. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. But, he has a really he, good coach. Really but he's good. gone through that. You know, he's coming out of that where, everything was so easy. Like you, like uh, you were talking about earlier with your college teammates, mm-hmm. it's like everything, everything was just easy for him. And I would warn him and his family about when you're seven years old and you just understood things earlier than everyone else. Yeah. But by the time you get to be eight, nine, 10, every, yeah. everyone's caught up. <laughs> yeah. And, and he struggled with that for, for a little bit uh, to the point where he was kind of thinking, not, I would say he was quitting, but, that other things were becoming more interesting to him. Right. And, but I think he's gotten to the point now where he understands that, Hey, you know what? Yeah. I have to work at it because I think that's what he struggled with. Is like, you mean I have to work now? I have to work at it. Right. And you know, my job was to make whatever it is he's working at working on interesting and involving with him. So we would work on flop shots and, and all kinds of stuff. And, you could see it in his face. It's like, Oh, this is really cool. And, and just doing things with him. And so he's, he's, I think starting to be on the other side of that where now he, he wants to come and practice more again. He wants to play a lot more. And it's, it's like all of a sudden his dream again is to be a, a high level golfer, not necessarily a tour player, but he's suddenly talking about one day I'd like to play in college again. Yeah, and that can be really damaging when they're little like that. I have a kid he works for at Jordan's place, and he won the New York State Juniors when he was fourteen. He won at Bethpage, 
And he used to travel between his house, me, or the golf course, me, and his grandfather's restaurant. And every time that kid walked in the restaurant, Andrew, what'd you shoot? I shot 75. Oh, Jesus. You know, everybody flip out. Did you win? No, I came in third. Oh, come on. <laughs> and so by the time he got to college, he literally would shake. We we just went to dinner last week. And he said, <laughs> he goes, Brian, I'm telling you, he goes, I hated college golf. I just could not do it. And so now he's back playing again and he's enjoying it, you know? And yeah. I said, I said, early success killed you. I said, you know, I used to talk to you and say, look, you know, you can't live in your grandfather's restaurant. I go, you can't go there anymore because they're killing you, dude. You know, and I'd call his parents and I'm like, you gotta, like, you gotta leave the kid alone. Just he's, he's yeah. 11 or 12 but or 13, you know, leave him alone. It, it, it basically it's uh it's, it puts them on the hot seat, just like Andy wants to do with you guys right now. All right. <laughs> Time to turn up. Nice. That was smooth. That was smooth. Oh, he is so smooth. He's, I mean, come on. So here's here's the format. Since there's two of you, I'm going to ask you a um, question at a time. We'll go back and forth with your answers. And yeah. just, you know, have to, there's no right or wrong answers. Just whatever comes to your, to your uh, mind, you can say it. And uh, we'll move on to the next question. So um, first question, uh, Brian, what is your lowest 18-hole score? 64. Mill Creek Golf Club, 7,100 yards. And a boy, James? Yep. 68. Golf course in Hartford, Connecticut. I, for the life of me, cannot remember the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> putt, putt. Uh, no, tasty freeze and what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, James, what are your three favorite golf courses that you've played? Three favorite would be Anglebrook Country Club up in Westchester. Mm. Um, I'd say Bethpage Red. Mm. And there was a course that I played overseas in Taiwan. Oh, that was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it was it was like playing in a tropical rainforest, and. That was amazing. That that course was just absolutely amazing. I can't pronounce the name of it, but it, it was it was phenomenal. Cool, huh. Brian. Oh boy, uh, Baltusrol lower, uh, winged foot, and probably Oak Hill East. But there's a lot of honorable mentions in there too. Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> now a lot of them. <laughs> your three. Uh, Courses that you haven't played that you'd like to play? For me or James? You. Me? Oh, boy. Uh, I've played everything on my bucket list with the exception of Riviera. So I would say Riviera. Um, I want to play Seminole. Um, and then, jeez. Beth Page. No, I've already played Beth Page a million times. <laughs> Um, I would say <laughs> maybe, uh, gosh, let's see. I don't know. I've played pretty much everything. So I would say those two. Okay. James, uh, spyglass. Mm, okay. Uh, Sabonic. 
played there. And St. Andrews. Nice. Okay, James, um, name the three best golfers of all time in no order. Tiger, Jack, Arlen. There you go. <laughs> Love it. You didn't name yourself? <laughs> go ahead, Brian. You? Uh, Alan? Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say Tiger also, and I would put Jack in there. And I'll tell you who I loved was Lee Trevino. Loved him. Awesome. Okay, uh, Brian, what's the best part of your game? Ooh, the best part of my game? I am a wedge assassin. James? Short game. Okay. Putting, putting and pitching, yep. Yeah, putting for me too. All right, James, in your opinion, what skill is the most important for a golfer to have to play good golf? Club face control. Love that answer. That sounds like, that sounds like Andy Hydorn. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> James Probably. took my answer. <laughs> okay. You can I'll take club face control and controlling the bottom of the arc. Yeah. I would I would say that the US Open, the Tiger one on one leg is the finest example of club face control you will yeah. see right yep. there. Interesting. A master of proprioception and balance. Yes. Master. Okay, Brian, mm -hmm. for you, who's your favorite golfer of all time, past or present? Oh, boy, past or present? I would say probably someone that you guys probably wouldn't know, Sam Rosetta. Sam was a local pro here. He played in every major. He was the head professional at the Country Club of Rochester, and – I worked there one year as an ambassador for playing and teaching. They wanted to get rounds up. Hmm. They were at 8,000 and they wanted to get to 10,000 and they got to 12,000. So I uh, fired myself. Um, but he used to invite me to sit in a chair with him. And there were times when Don January was there or uh, Curtis Strange came over. Um, and, and I got to tell stories about teaching in the ghetto. And they would tell me golf stories, but Sam, absolutely incredible. Amazing. Okay, Amazing. James. I'd be a toss up between Seve Ballesteros and Freddie Couples. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Okay, James, for you, Love quickly, quickly describe the best golf shot you've ever hit, time, place, situation. Oh my gosh. Best golf shot I ever hit. This should come uh, to you like, like a lightning. Yeah. Ball. It was, I would, I, I had hit my tee shot into the next fairway. I had nothing. I had an opening about this big and I decided to take the seven wood and I was yelling at one of the guys I was playing with. I got a hole. I said, I'm going right through that spot. It turned into Phil. I was like, I'm going right through there. I hit a seven wood. It actually went right through that spot, carved around like a, like a bubble Watson gap wedge to win the masters sliced around all the way up onto the green into the hole. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. That that would come to you quickly, wouldn't it, Brian? Oh my God. And the words that were coming out of the mouths of the guys <laughs> I was playing with, they were not kind, but <laughs> I don't know, boy. I've I like all my shots, truthfully. Probably the best one was uh I was playing at uh band in Pacific Dunes. Uh I was in Oregon and I hit kind of a turd drive 
and we were on a par five and my caddy said, just take your four iron and whiff it and like hit it on the ground. And so I'm like, okay. And it rolls all the way up on the green into like, you know, this far away. <laughs> so I make an Eagle on a par five and he looks at me and he goes, I told you, I go, yeah, but it didn't go in. <laughs> what the hell dude i'm not paying you okay last question brian what do you cherish most about the game of golf i love the relationships and the camaraderie of the game of golf i just love every bit of it love being around people james exactly the same thing the people that i'm that i'm meeting through that I, that i wouldn't have gotten a chance to meet all right boys you you survived the Oh, hey, please, hot seat. Yeah. Please be high, Dorn's hot seat. That's right. <laughs> I got it's a little sweat on my mustache. But... That's because I had 59 candles on it today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that it? You're young. He is. He is young. Yeah. Very. 18th green, final thoughts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the order. I'm going first. I usually go last, but I don't want anybody to steal mine. So I'm, <laughs> I have the prerogative to go first. And then we'll let uh, Christian, we'll just go right around. Christian, Brian, James, and then Andy, you wrap it up for us. And I'm going to conclude it. Folks, we're recording on Tuesday evening, Feb, Feb 6. And I'm going to conclude it actually with a, a uh, what? I said I didn't say February 2nd. What are you, what are you doing? No, I'm just saying February 6th. It's a okay. fantastic day. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought it was Groundhog Day. I am from Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> I'm going to conclude it actually with sad news. Golf lost a great ambassador. Uh, I'm a Toby Keith fan, and today was a really, really sad day to wake up to. And he loved golf, and he was a great musician and a great showman. So a little tribute to uh, Red Solo Cup. Christian? Yeah, I second that. Um, never never easy, obviously, someone that you, uh, that you listen to, and never easy someone that uh, especially loves a game of golf, too, on, on top of it. So I would say just rest in peace. And Obviously, our my thoughts and prayers are with are with his family. Um, you know, today obviously not the news that we wanted to hear, but um, on a more positive note, I wanted to uh, personally thank Brian and James for coming on. Um, the stories I'm sure both of you have, I could listen to them all day, <laughs> every day, um, and I would love to hopefully do it again one day. So I do thank you both for coming on. My privilege, Brian. Boy, that's tough. We uh we lost a, a special person up here too today. Uh, a special Olympics coach that was a golf coach for a number of years, and she was the player coach for a girl that I coached that went to Worlds. So Linda and her family, uh, she um died of breast cancer, and she had a peaceful death, which was good. Um, but it's really hard for the kids to understand. Um death and dying and so my heart goes out to their family and also just the joy that the game of golf can bring to people um that we would even be on something like this and talk about special people that we've lost or that have been in our life and so we should grab our loved ones a little bit closer and um appreciate them and be grateful even though they don't clean their rooms or something <laughs> james yeah, as, you know, as many people know, I, I spend a lot of time teaching juniors. That's been that's the main focus of what I do, junior golf. And so the, the thing that I would get out there is, is to all the parents that are out there that are taking their kids to tournaments and everything. You're doing a wonderful thing. 
But the one thing that the kids will tell you if they if they could is that they're scared of the car ride home. So regardless of how your child plays, when you're driving home, don't bring up the mistakes. Why did they do that? The bad shots. How about bringing up? Boy, it was I really enjoyed watching you play. It was really cool. How about bringing up? Where do you want to go eat? How about just saying, let's go to your favorite diner or your favorite restaurant, or let's go get some ice cream and just have a conversation about something else and, and not talk about the bad things. They have already experienced it. They're the ones that hit the shots. They're probably more worried about how you're going to react. They're thinking that, you know, are my parents loving me less because I didn't play well? So alleviate that. Talk about good things. Talk about hey, you know what, while you were playing, this was happening on the basketball game or something. I just saw this. And and take it from there. And and just think about what your kids are going through instead. That, that is some very wise coaching advice right there. And Andy, before you finish off, just briefly, I had a, I, my, my sons both played ice hockey, high-level ice hockey. And similar to what you were saying is I had a coach say to me one time, my one kid was a goalie. When he looks in the in the stands after the puck goes in, just give him a thumbs up. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Abe, Andy, bring us home, buddy. Yeah. So I I had <clears throat> two boy. things, uh, of course, multiple last thoughts, but now I have three because everyone talked about somebody passing away, and I think it's worth mentioning that we here in Houston at Champions Golf Club lost Jackie Burke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Week. Um, he was eight days short of his 101st birthday and a true icon. And, and uh, he's certainly going to be missed uh, here in the Houston area and definitely in the champions area. Um, one of the other things I want to bring up, there's been a lot of monitoring the, the social media stuff, a lot of talk about how Wyndham Clark's um, 60 that he shot shouldn't be recognized as a course record at Pebble Beach because it was lift clean in place. Um, and lots of debate back and forth on that. And, you know, I, I think it tends to be somewhat of a of a disappointing thing to watch people try to discredit, you know, such an amazing performance. Um, and a lot of people don't don't know this. I sound like Donald Trump there, but uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Al Guyberger, the first 59 was done lift clean in place as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, it was a great round of golf. You can call it what you want, but the guy shot 60 at Pebble Beach. Um, so my last point here is being around James and being around Brian and talking to those guys, you know, you really get an appreciation for actual coaching in golf. And in the in the community of golf coaches, there's so much debate, so much, you know, poor behavior, fighting, bickering, arguing about data, about all these things. And, and there's certainly an aspect to, to golf instruction that has to do with analysis. And I think one of you said earlier that that, you know, it's great to be able to to see that information pass it on to the right people, pass it on to yourself and your peers so that you learn more. But I think there's, in a lot of cases, there's coaches that that don't 
find the ability to separate the difference between coaching and analyzing. Um, and I think we had the, the pleasure of having two great coaches on tonight that really understand what it's like to partake in the analyzation stuff, but really work with their students in the manner, manner that a great coach does. So Brian and James, thank you so much for being on. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you on again sometime and it was great to have you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Thanks guys. And that wraps it up for another week. Uh, boys, we'll catch you soon. Thank you. Cheers. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.